And at first, I wasn't very happy with the fact that it's Strike, like a latecomer who is the one to kill Ironbeak. Like it feels like Brian didn't know how the Red Wallers would be able to drive him off or kill him because... Because they wouldn't have. Because they wouldn't have, right. Because like they are, they're pacifists. If they have the option, they they don't kill. And Um, like Constance had been told not to. Right. And so like... Because otherwise she fucking would have. Right. And then I have I, no doubt Constance would have grabbed Ironbeak by the throat mm-hmm. and just slammed him into the floor. Mm-hmm. But then I realized that this is this it's but this is the Red Waller's kindness also coming back to help them. They brought her in without hesitation. They protected her. They gave her help, and in doing so, gained an amazing ally. This is proof that yeah. like. Even if their kindness sometimes can be used against them, like see Chicken Hound turning into Slagar, um, they still yeah. are proving that their kindness and a good deed will often be turned around to and, have a good yeah, result. Yeah, and this is this is a big improvement from how they treated birds and such from um, Redwall. Mm-hmm. They've learned, you know, because they've been living with the Sparrow side by side for eight seasons at this point. Mm-hmm. They have been learning, okay, this is how, like, not all of the birds, but this is how they can be. And we need to be sure that we treat them just as kindly as we do every other creature. Mm-hmm. I have no doubt in my mind that if Ironbeak had come to the front gate and had asked, can we stay here, they would have let him. Oh, 100% without hesitation. They would have been like, absolutely, as long as you know, this is the code that we follow. Mm-hmm. You cannot harm people here, and we all work to make sure that the Abbey lives in harmony, and we work to make sure that we can all exist here. Hey, did you guys know that the Rewa Abbey is communism? Because <laughs> at its core, at its core, this is what communism is. Again, it's like... people working together... Mm-hmm. Without money involved. Again, like me and my friends have had this discussion many times before. Communism works on a small scale in a it community. Does. It does yes. not work on a large scale. Anyway, yeah. So, uh, Strike killed uh, Ironbeak. He's dead on the floor. Mangies freaks out and tries to flee. Constance swats him into the wall. Mm-hmm. Like, hard. And he, like, that kills him. She... Like, if you hit a bird hard enough, like, they'll just die. Yeah. Thinking about that pigeon that got hit by a baseball and exploded. <laughs> yeah. That's a thing that happened! All right. That's a real thing! Well, there's this one morbid story. My dad used to ride his motorcycle to work for a few years. And one morning, he's driving to work and he hears a clunk. And he looks down and he sees these two magpie wings on each side of his fender going when that damn magpie stayed stuck to his motorcycle until the first stoplight in town where it finally slid off. So he's just driving with these two wings going on each side of his fender. Oh no. Like of course he felt bad, but like the imagery of this poor magpie just plastered to the front of his motorcycle never fails to make me laugh. That's horrifying, yeah. though, also. It is. Anyway, uh, the several rooks, uh, several rooks and a magpie are killed before the rest surrender. Well, no, they aren't killed. They're knocked out. Well, no, they, 
they kill them because like the way no they knock them out like yeah it's worded as if they Uh... kill them but when it's brought up later the numbers aren't lower than they should be Mm. they knocked them out the red wallers didn't kill them well it's the way it's worded is the remaining sparrows of queen warbeak's command took care of a rook and a magpie between them and sister may took care of another took care of another one but they didn't actually do that mm. hmm because the spara know that the red wallers in redwall would not want to kill these birds that's true like constance probably didn't actually mean to kill mangies oh no she absolutely meant to kill him Constance is like the one red waller who's ready. Like we've seen in other books, she's. I, I ready think there to... might be an an excuse for the badgers where it's like if they think that something needs to die, it is allowed. Uh, to die, unless if the abbot says not to. Yeah, it' gonna die. <laughs> so, yeah. So they're all marched into the wine cellar to be imprisoned. Basically, where Strike was staying, they just stuff them in there, and they're like, "Do not leave. If you leave, we're gonna sick strike on you." Yeah. Yeah, basically. And also, Ambrose makes several dire threats that if they so much as look at his barrels, they will regret it. <laughs> They're like, yeah, we're not going to touch anything. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. Please. We're sorry. Because <laughs> they don't have they their leader wanna, anymore. So they're just, they just, they're just absolutely terrified. They just want to leave. They're like, there's ghosts. This place is cursed and haunted. They, these these mice and stuff they're just they're they're fucking they're 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 crazy man they're crazy mm-hmm. just get us out of here <laughs> uh with things set to rights the abbot once again has run of his abbey he says first things first gotta get strike down yeah <laughs> she's just she's just absolutely reveling in the fact that she can fly and she's just making loops around the great hall like, up through, like, the rafters and the columns. She's just having so much fun. Mm-hmm. John makes a note of the bird's remarkable healing ability. Which is... She's a dragon. She's a dragon. She is. And it's magic. Yes. Uh, and then John makes a rather good pun. These are Kit's words, not mine. <laughs> as a child, he could never make a kite that flew properly. Funny how you learn as you grow older. <laughs> it's cute. Come on. <laughs> it it's is, cute. but it, I wouldn't call it a good pun. That's a good pun. Eh, you're biased. <laughs> Rollo tops the merriment with a snarky little verse, and the abbey is filled with laughter once more as they begin to clean and recover. Would you like to read Rollo's cute little verse? <laughs> Certainly. Let's see. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Roger Rabbit. <laughs> Chop up a rook and make a soup. Send him to bed without any bread. Dip his tail in Tober Ale and good old magpie pie. <laughs> Rollo is so fucking cute. He's, He's such a little baby. <laughs> He's going to do all of these rhymes and verses for Basil when Basil gets back. And Basil's just going to be like, oh, this is so good. Look at you, little chap. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> you've learned well in my absence. I dare say you've surpassed me. <laughs> I might, I might snark at Basil a lot, but he is kind of a fun fatherly he's like that fun like weird uncle that shows up every so often you know the the one that's not creepy weird but it's like goofy weird oh i very much know yes (laughs) we all have the creepy weird uncle we all have like the goofy weird uncle we know which one we prefer Mm -hmm. thankfully in in my family we don't have the creepy weird uncle we all all the uncles are goofy weird i was lucky that the one he wasn't like super creepy weird but he was kind of like an older kind of 
I don't know. I can't remember if Uncle Mike was Italian esque or not, but he he <laughs> like he'd go to give him a hug and he'd give you like that big old slobbery kiss on the cheek kind of uncle. Gross. And Gross. when I was finally old that's... enough, he'd like come here, and give me a hug. I'd like give him a one armed hug, and he's like, "That's it." It's like, "Yep, that's all you get." And after that, it's just like, "Not even that, you creepy old man." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, and that's not Italian. Italians don't do that. It's okay. like a peck. It's a peck. Yeah. No, anyway, I don't think Uncle Mike meant anything by it. He was just very boisterous because he. Ne- That's just fair. Yeah, he That's never just once... calling that Italian is a little weird because it's not how they do things. Okay, sorry. It's like I'm not uh, sure, but yeah, he never. I he am never Italian. Did... Trust me. Okay, he never did anything to us kids that would have been like cons- like he never did anything like that. But it yeah. was definitely a case the, of like the... you are invading my personal space, and I don't like that. I lied. We have one uncle who is like, mm, I would rather not be around you, but that's because my aunt recently married him, so he's like a step uncle, uh, and he's the the fucking homophobic racist. Oh right, yeah, screw that guy. Yeah, the one that kicked my uh, baby cousin out because he was gay. Fuck that guy. And there are some other extenuating circumstances to do with it, but a lot of it was like he was using that as another reason mm-hmm. when it shouldn't have been one of the reasons. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, okay. I will admit that my baby cousin did some shit wrong. This should not have been one of the reasons. Mm-hmm. Anyway, this should. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. So in the former kingdom of Malchorus, the battle has been won. The rescuers and the former slaves stand triumphant and the remaining rats have fled below into the depths. Matthias steps up for a speech. The former slaves are now free. If they cannot go home or do not wish to return, then they are welcome at the Abbey. And I want to read this before you go into yeah, your notes. Yeah, go for it, go for it. Da, da, da. Let me find it again. Okay. Madame Mayo took the great sword of Redwall from his father as Matthias stood on a rocky knoll with his paws outstretched. You are free, Matthias proclaimed. A roaring cheer echoed through the underground. The warrior mouse nodded approvingly. All of you who suffered under the cruelty of Malchorus, you who were stolen from your homes to lose many seasons of your young lives chained in dark places... Let me tell you something. The world outside is dressed in the colors of summer. Grass, flowers, trees and rivers, they are yours. If you cannot remember where you came from, if you have nowhere to go, come with me and my friends to Redwall Abbey in Mossflower Country and live in peace there. For two days we have had to fight the powers of evil. Many were slain in the great battle and you must never forget them, the good creatures who gave their lives to buy freedom for you. Heads were bowed, and tears were shed, for lost youth and lost friends. Matthias stepped down and nodded to Orlando, who took his place on the knoll. The warrior of the western plain raised his battle axe as his thunderous voice boomed out. Let us go up into the sunlight, but first we will destroy the symbol of wickedness that has plagued this place. And I love how Matthias doesn't hesitate for a moment to invite these kids to Redwall because, let's be honest, what better place for a bunch of traumatized kids to go to (laughs) than Redwall? 
They will be yeah. loved and tended to there. Like, they will be welcomed. Like, they won't care that these kids were once slaves. Are you kidding? You guys, no. they'll, they'll be like, oh, you're our next generation. Like, you can help me here. You can help me there. Like, let me teach you this skill. Like, they are, they're not even going to hesitate. These kids are going to be adopted into their community instantly. Yeah, and with how Redwall runs, it is honestly probably one of the best places for, you know, people who have like the severe PTSD and trauma from deal from living like this to go because they'll be able to take it slow. They'll be able to work up to being able to do things. Mm -hmm. They'll be able to work up to somebody asking them to do something and not flinching Mm -hmm. at the request. They'll, they'll be able to heal. Exactly. And they'll have be surrounded by people who are understanding. And won't be like, no, you have to go do this. It's like, no, okay. You are not ready for this yet. Okay. If you would like, you can go do this other thing that has nothing to do with what I just asked you to do. And it is okay. Exactly. There's gotta be, like... I I feel like Redwall, on the whole, like, the people who live there are good, like, unofficial therapists, I think Redwall needs an actual therapist. Yeah, no kidding. After all the stuff that happened there, or happens there. (laughs) We need somebody who is, like, a therapist. Redwall, if it ever actually was allowed to go into the modern era, just, like, this little therapist, I'm imagining her with, like, little glasses on her nose and, like, a little tiny clipboard, like, okay, let's, let's handle it today. Like, we just had another siege, somehow. (laughs) <laughs> bad things have happened again yeah. but it's okay all right we'll get through this <laughs> next <Yeah. laughs> that's just a line of people <laughs> that's not funny i i feel like only we can joke about that because we both have trauma <laughs> god anyway so yeah um he gives this like uh matthias gave a spot up to orlando and they Orlando and Matthias step up to topple the white statue. Tim tells them that Nadaz is inside it, and sure enough, the rat mocks them from what he thinks is his safe haven. He cannot be removed, and when they're gone, he will muster his army and send it after them. Uh, so Orlando (laughs) takes his axe and begins to hack at the base of the idol, and then Matthias also does that. And I'm over here like, y'all, your weapons. Y'all, your weapons! Well, we've already established that the the Sword of Martin is magically sharp and never dented. Um, and Limestone... Okay, but limestone, uh, this is prolonged smacking. Yeah. Yes, Limestone is soft, but this is, like, mostly solid at the base. Magic weapons. I think it's bullshit. Uh, and... Also, they had to sharpen their weapons earlier. They did, and they're going to have to sharpen them again when they're done. I think Orlando's axe is going to have some horrible chips in it. But do you think even he if cares Martin's, at this point? Even if, do what? Do you, no, yeah. probably not. Anyway, the pair do a number on the limestone the idol is carved from. Nadaz rants and threats like he's just screaming at them from inside of this. He is just raging and rattling inside of there. Like he is just frothing. He is so just like, you can't do anything. I will get you. I am the voice and now I am the host. And they're just going at it with a 
fervor. Mm-hmm. They are destroying the statue. Nothing Nadaz says can get them to stop. And the statue cracks. And it cracks at the ceiling, and it starts to crack at the base, and it starts to topple. And Matthias only just gets Orlando to stop attacking it and turn to flee in time. Because Orlando and is it, focused. He wants this thing gone. He he is he is fucking focused. He's got that like battle rage in his eyes where he's just gonna knock this thing down. Um and so the statue begins to topple and it takes a good chunk of the cavern ceiling with it, and the entire cavern begins to collapse. Now, up above, because the vast majority of everybody managed to... Like, everybody got out. They sent everybody out while they started doing this. They were Mm -hmm. like, leave, we'll do this, and it will be done. So the kids and the freed woodlanders are enjoying the summer sun until the earth begins to dance. It begins to buck and heave. And they all realize that Matthias and Orlando are still below. And when Vich is the only thing they see vaulting out of the collapsing tunnel, like, Vich just fucking yeets himself out. Where the fuck did he come from? Eh. Where is he going? Eh. Well, we know where he's going. <laughs> he's gone. But that's he's a... like, I'm not going to fuck with any of this anymore. I'm gone. Uh, we figure out what happens to him a little bit. Uh, they begin to fear the worst for Matthias and Orlando. Ama and Maddie swear not to leave until they see that their fathers are safe. But before any beast can do anything, a whole chunk of earth collapses down, making a spectacular valley. And a whoosh of air, like uh, like an air and limestone geyser, just spits out Matthias and Orlando from the earth like two <laughs> fucking cannonballs. Matthias lands in a tree, and Orlando <laughs> lands in and then crashes out of a different tree. And their two weapons are firmly lodged in a nearby beech tree. Like, they almost decapitated some people. Yeah, like, oh, it's, it's a very <laughs> comically and cute, like, a good written scene. Um... Yeah, it, it is uh, a Jabez, lot of, like... That, or no, Jube, that's it. Jube patted his spikes to make sure they were all, they were all there. Whew! That big hatchet nearly scalped me! <laughs> yeah, like, there's this, like, tense moment of everybody wondering if they're going to get out. And then this relief and the, like, the kind of, like, nervous, traumatized jokes that come mm-hmm. after, like, oh, oh mm-hmm. scary things just happen. Right on the edge of hysteria. Yeah, like, the there's little jokes and jests about how Matthias looks like a ghost, because they're, they're both, like, Matthias and Orlando are just covered in limestone dust. Mm-hmm. Matthias looks like a ghost, and Orlando looks like a lump of dough. Also, the parallel to Matthias looking like a ghost. <laughs> also, it's, is it bad that, like, you make the mention of, like, the limestone dust, and my brain goes to, like, if you or a loved one were diagnosed with mesothelioma. Mesothelioma. <laughs> you, <laughs> you may be entitled to compensation. <laughs> Uh, we get a refrain on a running joke of Orlando's battle axe being a hatchet, uh, which he patiently denies. Um, that same day, at Redwall... Oh yeah, you also have a comment of like, have you ever seen a geyser, bro? Oh yeah, it's just, again... <laughs> and like, it's still, I'm just sitting over here like it's just one big massive poof. Like I, like a cartoonish poof. It's better he calls it a geyser than a fart, so... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Earth fart. Uh, an earth fart. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, a geyser is better. It still just had me kind of chuckling like, alright, Ryan. I mean, bleh. Yeah. Like, it, it, when stuff collapses like that, it kind of is like a like a, a, a stone geyser almost. Cause, yeah. Like, if, I don't know if you've ever seen like 
watched a building collapse. Only uh, and like when it collapses in on itself and everything just goes whooshing up out because all of that air and the dust and debris has to go somewhere mm-hmm. because the larger debris has now taken up that space. It is like a weird like dust geyser. Yeah. Also to be to, and then it settles on everything and everybody's like, oh god. Also for like a small moment of dark humor, we're m- millennial squirrels. We have certainly seen at least two buildings collapsing. Yeah, you're right. Anyway. Shut the fuck up. Sorry. So that same day, they lead the surviving birds to the northern ramparts. And they have this whole thing where they're like, you need, you are going to leave. And uh, you are going to leave wearing the weight of what you've done around your necks, basically. And they put iron collars around the birds' necks. One of the rooks very cheekily tries to slip out of his, but he is very soundly thwacked by Winifred and the collars placed back on. Yeah, like he just ducks the his head and it are there p- clatters what? off. Like he ducks his head and it, it's a ragwing the rook dipped his head cheekily and the iron collar slipped off and clanged upon the wall stones. Winifred replaced the collar and whacked the rook with her rudder-like tail. Yeah, like cuz you know, like collars don't usually sit on birds very well. It's on them cuz of the way their heads are shaped. Yeah. So, these collars are their punishment. They are not heavy enough to keep them grounded, but they're heavy enough to make flying hard. Like, they cannot fly high, and they cannot fly fast. Constance grips the ends of the collars and tightens them so that they're firmly in place. Uh, and I made a comment, like, terrifying. Am I talking about the punishment or Constance? Yes! Because this is a (laughs) harsh punishment. Like, it's not death, but they are chaining these birds to the earth Mm -hmm. and that's terrifying which these birds are going to die yeah they are giving these birds a death sentence yeah it's unless if they can figure out how to survive mm -hmm. this is a death sentence it's something that the red ballers do quite often where they don't they don't kill the enemies themselves but they manipulate them into situations where they will more likely than not die yeah but it's up up to air quotes them mm-hmm. if they die or not. Exactly. Like, you have to survive. You have to learn how to survive like this. And it's like this is a stupid punishment until you actually stop to think about it, and then you're like, oh. And then it's like also it it feels like a weird sidestepping of their morals because they're like we're pacifists, and then this happens. And it's like this is not no. This is not what no. <laughs> This is not how this works, y'all. <laughs> you can't do both. They're like, watch so, us. Yeah, Sister May tells them the next step. They will be released to fly northward. They're sending them home, essentially. After three rings of the bell, Strike will be freed to fly after them. And if any of them try to turn or deviate from the path northward... Well, Strike can do what she wants. Because basically, they convince Strike, like, hey, don't kill them unless if they do something like we have, like, said that they shouldn't be doing. Mm-hmm. And Strike agrees. Like, But she says reason. this in, a, in an aside. Well, it's because she admires Sissy Mae so much. Yeah, she, she agreed. And, and you make a comment, like, when, because we have this after they leave. At the first ring, the birds are they're gone. They're just like, nope, 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 nope. Mm-hmm. They're like, we don't want to, nope. They're flying as best as they can with the collars around their neck. And as the third bell rings, 
out over the woodlands, Strike launches herself into the air, calling to Sister May. Sister May praises her and uh, reminds her of her promise to let the birds leave their land peacefully. And we make a comment that's like, uh, like we know that it's it's like the Redwallers' vow of peace. That's why they're like, hey, Strike, don't kill them immediately. And and you're like, this this is kind of weird because she's not a Red Waller mm-hmm. and these birds deserve what they get if they catch them. And I'm like, I think it kind of ties back around to their kindness, mm-hmm. like the Red Waller kindness. It's also kind of giving this like Strike agrees to do this because they helped and she respects them. Yeah. Not just that, but like... Like, if she didn't respect them, she probably would have just killed those birds right out. Mm -hmm. Not to mention that this also kind of aligns with, like, the vaguely Christian-esque morals of (laughs) the Red Wallers, because, like... The Mm pseudo-Protestant. Because, like, if you read the Bible, God, or not just God, but, like, his people mete out some really rather wicked and diabolical punishments, which some cases are worse than death. Um, at least in the Old Testament. At least in the Old Testament. New Testament's not worried about stuff like that as much. Because it's like, okay, Jesus has been here. Because you've we're gonna... been forgiven. Yeah, exactly. In fact, that's a big part of the New Testament where basically it's like, hey, you know all those rules in the Old Testament? You don't need to worry about some of those anymore. The more ridiculous ones. Just focus on the ten big ones and whatever Jesus said to listen to. <laughs> Let's get back to it. Anyway, back back to, back out of this, this fucking... So... With the old loam hedge and kingdom of Malchus now well buried and gone, the group begins to turn to head back to Redwall. Uh, Vich chooses then to make a break for it, and uh, Maddie is literally only stopped by his father's paw. Vich isn't worth it. Like, they didn't necessarily take Vich prisoner. He was just kind of also stunned and there. Yeah, he was kind of hiding among the other. Bye. Yeah. The small rat, though, has the bad luck to run right into Slagar. Like, he is, like, climbing up an incline because everything is kind of collapsed in. The trees are at weird angles and stuff. Uh, and he, at the top of the hill, like, he, he, like, climbs over and then he immediately starts backing back up because Slagar is there. And he kills Vich with his bolo. It, like, wraps around the poor rat's head I think this is the, and just smashes it in. This is also the first time in the book where it has been directly referenced as a bolo. Yes. Uh, Orlando and Matthias, of course, charge the fox, who turns to flee and then vanishes. And they realize that he has fallen down the old loam hedge well, his, what was once his escape route to his death. And I will let you, because you had opinions about this. Yeah. It's, it's like, I'm, I wasn't sure why Brian chose to end the book like this. Where it's it's like he's denying them the right to their revenge, which I partially understand because he he wants to portray the Redwallers as being above such things as like petty revenge or just here not above it. They're not above it. No, but like more often than not, you'll notice that he tries to end the villains with like their own hubris. Instead of, like, it, like if the main character is the object to deliver them the results of their hubris, he'll use that. But otherwise, he'll, like, try to end them in ways where the main characters don't dirty their hands killing the main villain. It's that... Which is weird, because technically, like, I want to say technically in 
both Mossflower and Redwall, it is still by the warrior's hands that the en- like the enemy dies because very much so. Uh, Clooney was killed. Like yes, it was his hubris. Matthias is the one who cut the bell down. Exactly. And yes, Sarmina's hubris was thinking that this mouse couldn't kill her. Martin backed her into the lake. Mm-hmm. It was still him who backed her into the lake. With Slagger, it is... He just... He turns tail to run and falls. And that's not necessarily their fault. They did not know that that was right. there. He just... He wasn't thinking by that point, which is what killed him. Because, like, his, his strength was his wits. And he was completely yeah. just not thinking he was out of his wits there was so much going on at this point he was just reacting scared and reacting Mm -hmm. and i also think i realized like going through this i realized also that giving that revenge to orlando and matthias only and not letting the slaves also have Mm. it would not have been fair by having slagger die by his own hand Mm-hmm. in a way means that he is not like the slaves and Orlando and Matthias are not necessarily being robbed of this revenge and they do make a snarky comment about like well now we at least don't have to fight over who gets to kill him exactly um, they do get the catharsis of being able to drop the rocks on top of both of them, though. I think that counts. Yeah, because they put they lower Vich into the well, and then stone and earth is dropped on top of them both. And then Sir Harry arrives in time with clever words and a cheerful attitude. Would you like to read, Sir Harry? <laughs> sure, one second. Let me grab my book. I know that you enjoy <laughs> reading this bird's weird bardic nonsense. He's so funny. Okay, <clears throat> because Matthias makes a comment about like. Or, or Orlando says, um, there are no words you could say over such a creature, to which Sir Harry pops up with, a taker of slaves and a thief. I know not what master he served. Cruel Sla- Slagar has come to grief. Twas all that he deserved. To which... Like, Harry just pops up and they're all like, oh god, hey Harry, what's up? Yeah, and he goes, yes, it's old Sir Harry the Muse. I see you won victory. So I flew back to bring you news. Just guess what happened to me. I chased those women south. I think they're running yet. When I heard a noise, a great noise from afar, so I said to myself, I'll bet. That's my old friend doing battle beneath the ground. Then I turned on my wings and flew to see how a mouse could make such a big sound. <laughs> it's real good. <laughs> it is very good. It's very cute. Uh, Basil snarks at Sir Harry, and then they all finally begin the long trek home. It took them half a season to get mm-hmm. there. Half of summer to get to the kingdom of Malchus and old Lomehead. And that was like at a hard march too, which they're probably not mm-hmm. going to try and march that hard on the way back. No. Um, and also they know the way mm-hmm. back at this point. They know how to get back safely. They know how to get back in a way that's not going to like hurt people. They probably, as they're like coming out of the copse of trees, make sure to like grab something to remake a bridge mm-hmm. across the gorge. They don't have to do the stupid thing again. Yeah, the zip, um, which probably wouldn't work the other way. Like we do, we don't get to hear how they get back. Like Brian's just like, don't worry no. about it. Yeah, we go. We we basically the last bit is we're back at Redwall, mm-hmm. and it is 
Summer rolls to a close, and the three at Redwall are keeping up their vigil day in and day out. Like, uh, Miss, Miss, uh, Church, Mrs. Church Mouse, Cornflower, and Rollo are all sitting on the southern wall, watching the road and waiting. Because, uh, Cornflower refuses to believe that, um, Matthias, uh, won't come back. Mm-hmm. So after a good dinner that night, the abbot tries to broach the subject with Cornflower of facing reality. It's been a season and no word or sign of the missing members of the abbey. Before he can say more, though, Constance intercedes. Uh, it's the quarter moon now. If they're not back by the full moon, she will take out a team and go look for them herself. And this comforts Cornflower and she's able to go off to bed because Cornflower is like, I know that they're going to come back. I can't... She wouldn't survive if she I gave can't up hope. Be- yeah. Constance, and like, Constance and the abbot have a conversation after Cornflower goes to bed. Like, Constance agrees with the abbot. The more time that passes, the less likely it is that everyone will return. But they don't want to destroy Cornflower's spirits, because that is her husband and her son. Mm-hmm. Um, and she says that uh like even even she will feel better like constance says like even she will feel better if they can go out with a search party and confirm yeah just better to better Um, to know one way or another not knowing is the worst part yeah exactly having that like hope and not being able to know and then like it's possible years could go Mm -hmm. by or seasons for them yeah i still am kind of like is a season a year? What is happening? I don't understand. Time is very... Because they say, like, in the beginning of the book, it's been eight seasons since uh, Clooney happened. And it's like, that feels like the way they're talking about it makes it feel like eight seasons is a long time. But in reality, that's two years if they're talking about the seasons as seasons. Because, like, I... And it does not feel like it's been that little time. Mm-hmm. I really with the way that they talk about Tim, Tess, Sam, and Maddie. I really feel like that a season is a, a equivalent to a year for us. So like I get the feeling that like they've been gone for like roughly a year at this point. Again, like time is weird with Redwall. I I think they're using seasons like like seasons to describe the season, but also a season to like when they say like yeah. Uh, uh, it's been this many seasons. They're saying it's been this many years, right. but like a season's been a season. Yeah, so like it's the end. Of I think summer. they're just using them interchangeably, and it's confusing. Yeah. Time is weird and fake. Time dot is fake. <laughs> um, that night, Cornflower dreams of a ghostly mouse. Is it Matthias or Madame Mayo? Is it Martin? Somehow it seems to be all three. Like, he says something. The mouse says something. Hold on. It's actually very nice what he says. Okay, I've got it if you want me to read it. It's on page 420. Uh, Nice. (laughs) It's on page 432 for me. Yeah, go read it. Um... The, okay, the figure loomed closer out of the mist of slumber. It was a warrior mouse, neither Matthias or Matameo, but so like them both. 
The mouse smiled at Cornflower and pointed in the direction of the south wall. Martin becomes Matthias, becomes Matameo, and so it goes. Go now, a voice said. And it's, it is a good image that the spirit of Martin comes to Cornflower in her dreams mm-hmm. to reassure her. Mm-hmm. Like saying, they're f- like basically giving her still hope that they're fine and they will be home soon. Mm-hmm. Even if she doesn't quite realize that that's what it is. Maybe. And then she's awoken by Rolo, who's thirsty. Also, I just had a thought. I just realized why Martin never wakes any of them up. He's not there. He's with Madame Ale and Matthias. Mm-hmm. He, was, he wasn't he was in the Abbey this whole time. No. Yeah. I just realized that. That's why. And this is why he, she, this is the first time she's had a dream because he's finally close enough to return home. Like, because he's been only, like he's been with them. And the only thing he's been able to do for Redwall was cloud Mangy's mm-hmm. visions, I, which helped. And he's been stretched between them and the ones far away. So now he's mm-hmm. home again. Yeah, and she and so Cornflower is awoken by Rolo right before dawn, and he's asking for a drink. He's thirsty. He says thirsty, and I'm d- I love Divin's speak is so cute. <laughs> like it can be inscrutable at times, but it is so fucking cute because it is. It's kid. It's baby speak. Kids don't know how to say thirsty. Using their tongue against their teeth like that can be difficult. Mm-hmm. So thirsty. It sounds the same, and it gets the point mm-hmm. across. So she decides that they'll have a picnic breakfast up on the wall. They get some water, they get some bread, and they go up on the wall to have picnic breakfast. And he is, he is all for that. He's like, yeah. Heck yeah. And it is so cute. Like, she's just like, let's go, let's go early in the morning. It'll be fine. Because she's not going to be able to get back to Mm -hmm. sleep after this. So she's like, well, Rolo's awake, I'm awake. If he falls asleep on the wall, at least I'll be there with him. And... Mr. and Mrs. Churchmouths both notice the missing cornflower and Rollo and decide to go join them on the south wall for a bit when they're done with their breakfast. Um, Constance joins them as well, and they have a little bit of fun with Rollo, distracting everyone for a moment. Like, it is a good scene, and it is sad to read because everyone is, you know, they're there for a vigil. They're watching for their missing family. Mm -hmm. And some of them are starting to believe that they're not going to come back. Yeah, and like corn, like they know that Cornflower wants to believe they'll come back. Mrs. Churchmouse probably also wants to believe they'll come back because, like, her daughter is still gone. Mm-hmm. Or no, that's her on. daughter and her son. Yeah, her daughter and son. It's it's Tim and the Tess. Twins, yeah, yeah. They know, like, all of these kids are still gone. Their family, like, their other family members are still gone, and they don't know what's happened. They don't know if any of them are going to come back at all. And then Constance just all of a sudden, mid-conversation, Constance just stops and is staring. She is frozen, standing ramrod straight, staring out southward at the road. And she sees dust rising from behind a bend in the road. And they, they all look, they can all see it and strain to see who will come into view. Like, they're all like, it can't be. It can't be. That's too much dust for the number of people who left. But who else could it be? Mm-hmm. And of course, it is their missing loved ones with the rescued former slaves. They go to turn out the abbey and let everyone know. 
And the marchers are awed to see the abbey. Like, the slaves are all in awe of what they're looking at. This is a huge building above ground. This is a safe haven. They've probably been talked up about the abbey this Mm -hmm. whole trip. Like, this is a safe place. It is large. Everyone will be able to fit. Because it's true. The abbey is fucking huge. There are rooms that nobody uses. (laughs) They're going to be used now. Yeah. The kids are overjoyed to see uh, their home and to see their parents because everybody from the Abbey, like, is coming out. Basil, like, blusters as usual. He's trying to get everybody, like, into a sharp marching line. Like, we cannot let them see us out of order. We've got to be... And the gates are open and Matthias lays the Sword of Redwall at the Abbey's feet, declaring that they have come home. And, like, I... While tipsy and reading this bit did almost start coming. Because <laughs> it's a good piece of imagery. It is very good. And they cheer as old and new friends reunite. And it takes a whole day for the two parties to tell the abbot what their journey had been like. And the ab- like everybody at the abbey is just awed and amazed and also like pissed off. And like it's a mix of emotions. Mm-hmm. Once their story is done, the abbot promises to hold a service for Warbeak and Logalog on the first of spring. Also, also, I have to make, I, we didn't say this note. Um, Cornflower had begged the abbot not to name the season until the warriors came home. Like, this is important. The abbot had already chosen a name for the fall season. And, um, and Cornflower begged him not to officially name it to hold off. Yeah. And so it doesn't get that name, obviously. It gets a different name. Matthias accuses him teasingly of not doing much while they were gone. And so, so, uh, the abbot, like, passes the duty of telling Matthias about what happened to Cornflower. And she does. And once the telling is done... They're told there's to be no supper for them, only sleep. Because everybody's exhausted. Mm -hmm. There's no way they'll be able to stay awake for supper. They're all exhausted. Basil protests heartily, uh, but then he's told the reason why there's no supper. They're going to have the biggest feast the Redwall has ever had the next day. Everybody who has been in the Abbey this time is working through the night to prepare this feast. And, of course, he's all too eager to go to bed then. He runs smack into poor Formal on his hurry to get to bed. Formal's like, damn. I think I just read it. It's, it's, <laughs> hang on. You want to read it? Yeah. <laughs> I just got to put the page here. Here it is. Formal entered the study, rubbing his nose. We just been a run over by my creature, her. <laughs> yeah, Basil is just like, zoop, I'm gonna go honk shoe, honk shoe. Yeah. <laughs> he leaps his ass into bed. <laughs> so, the last chapter, or the last chapter before the afterward, basically. Mm-hmm. It's your typical, like, or where the are they now? Hit the, hit the salient yeah. points. So, that fall is named the Autumn of the Warrior's Return. And it was originally going to be called the Autumn of, like, the Early Chestnut or something Mm -hmm. like that. This is a much better name, obviously. The feast starts after dawn. There's no tables or places. 
Just everyone sprawled in the grass beneath the orchard. The newcomers are dazzled by the wealth of food. And of course, they had that time marching to be able to like readjust their systems mm-hmm. to being able to eat. Mm-hmm. So they're going to be able to eat as much as they want and not make themselves yeah. sick. Because like that's a big thing. Like they sometimes forget to mention. Like if someone's been starving for a long time, you have to like reintroduce food to their bodies, or you'll make them sick. Mm-hmm. Same with being dehydrated. You cannot if you've been dehydrated, dehydrated. Mm-hmm. You can't just guzzle water. You will puke. Mm-hmm. Uh, you will make yourself sick. You have to. That's why when they do IVs, it's like a slow uh, reintegration of like fluids into your mm-hmm. body. Because otherwise, you will just get sick and uh, hurt yourself. <laughs> yeah, human bodies work just like horses in such a narrow range. <laughs> I think that's any creature, really. <laughs> yeah. Uh, th- for some creatures, it's worse mm-hmm. than others. So... Maddie and the freed kids are having a grand time. They're allowed to be kids again. They don't have to be traumatized warriors. They are back at the Abbey. They are safe. They can be kids. Basil, of course... Uh, oh, wait, I see yeah, the yeah. yeah, uh Yabez and Jube have claimed a cask of strawberry cordial all to themselves. <laughs> <laughs> Basil teaches Cheek how to feast properly. Like, he's like, you have to get a bit of this and a bit of that. Some for you now, some for you later. This is how you tuck in. This is how much you need to make sure you have at all times. da 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 uh, It is great. Like, Basil is, it has, as it, we've, like, reached the end of this, like, especially, like, once they started fighting together, like, Basil stopped being as mean to yeah. Cheek. His, his character gets uh, redeemed Because I think, he, it, Cheek, Cheek grew on yeah. him. <laughs> Uh, he, he, cause Cheek is so much like Basil and I think that's what was annoying Mm -hmm. him. Um, Sir Harry regales the sparrows, the remaining sparrows, with rhyme, praising their home. And the abbot apologizes for not taking Matthias out to catch the grayling currently being cooked for the feast. And he says that Sister May had helped him. Matthias, of course, is awed at her new fierce reputation. Uh, like, she's just bashful about it. She's like, oh, it wasn't much of anything. And Matthias is like, no, damn, woman. Yeah. <laughs> Holy shit. And then she proves that her fierce reputation by going to chase the kids away from her candy chestnut display because they keep knocking yeah, it over. Yeah, they just keep... Because they're like, we want to eat like, them. like, why would you make a display of candy chestnuts and not expect it to get knocked over? It's a feast. You're supposed well, to... Well, because they're taking them from the bottom instead of from the right. top like they're supposed yeah. to. Rolo, like, and she's also been keeping Rolo from diving into the food from the tree <laughs> because, like, he's a baby and he has been desperately trying uh-huh. to do that. And finally, he manages to dive right into a wild pear and apple crumble. God, that so Basil applauds and he starts just eating it from the inside out. Basil applauds him for his thinking and enthusiasm. Jess and Sam have immediately adopted Elmtail into their ranks and happily show him all the food and drink available to him now. The day passes peacefully. By evening, most everyone is drifting off. Rolo has chosen Orlando as his bed, and the big badger is overwhelmed by the safety, the prosperity of this place. He asks Matthias how it's possible, and the sleepy warrior replies simply, It's Redwall. I want to read this because, honestly, this Mm -hmm. gave me, like, the good Mm -hmm. shivers. All right. Alright. Warrior, I have never seen such a wondrous place as this. 
Look at the beautiful building, those huge, safe walls, the fruit and food growing from the ground, and that pond, it glows like a silver plate in the moonlight. Ah, those contented old ones, peaceful, wise, and your young ones too, they look so happy and good. Even when I lived out on the western plains with my ama, we never knew such well-being as this. Can you explain it to me? Matthias let his eyelids droop until they shut. Orlando, my good friend, the explanation to it all is merely one simple word. Redwall. The badger turned to reply, but Matthias and Cornflower were asleep. He looked down at baby Rolo slumbering on his lap without a care in the world. Settling himself down, Orlando turned his face to the night sky which surrounded Mossflower. He repeated the precious word aloud to the moon. Redwall. And like, boom. Mm-hmm. That's good mm-hmm. shit. It's very good. And then chapter 55 is our afterword, written by the recorder, of course, who is Tim. Tim Churchmouse is now the recorder. This is set seven years after the autumn of the warrior's return. He's on his second season as recorder, and his father has retired and spends his time making a comprehensive cookbook of Abbey recipes with the aid of Abbot Mordalfus, who is still going strong. Like, Tim is like, I don't think he's ever going to die. Yeah, I'm going to die before this old man does. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, The sparrows have recovered and are flourishing the eaves now called Warbeak's Loft. Sir Harry is their teacher and educator, and he's also their leader. But he often quits out of annoyance at, like, their language and brashness. But he very quickly returns to the job because he just really likes being in charge. A, a little small part of me is kind of like, <laughs> I'm not super fond of this because it makes me think of, like, um, shit. The schools. Um, yeah. Or, yeah, or like, the Indian schools. Or, yeah, or like, oh, these war- these sparrows need an outsider to come in and teach them proper language and yes. education. It's just kind of like, mm. Not a fan of But it's also really implied here that, like, they're really, they're not. Exactly. Like, they're amused by him (laughs) and they let him do his thing, but. And also, like, he is very smart. So, on one hand, because, like, he was elected by the Sparrow. He didn't just make himself their leader. They they always ask him, they're like, hey, do you want to do this? Because, like, you know, he is smart and he's not, like, super warlike and they're probably happy to have a time of, like, peace for a little while. Just enough time to recover and get their, you know, mm-hmm. reco- like, become a population again, not a yeah, yes. refugees in their own homes. Uh, Basil has officially adopted Cheek, who now goes by Cheek Stag Otter. And I love that so much. <laughs> it's so cute. It's very cute. Like, it's so cute! Just, just let, let this otter be a hare. Uh, right? Yeah, honestly. I feel like the otters Strut are the most drop. flexible out of the species, truthfully. I misheard you. Oh. Just now. You said flexible, I heard fucksible, and I was like, uh, uh no, what? Get- no, flexible. <laughs> Come on. Come on. I know, I know. That's why I was like immediately like, no, Kit did not just say that. Kit said flexible, but my brain still heard fuxible. Good thing we're almost done. You're starting to get loopy. Yes. Uh, Strike drops by and is currently visiting with her mate and their first egg chick. And <laughs> first of all, 
Strike and Sister May are girlfriends. And they are naming their first egg chick after her. It's very cute. And she convinces them not to name her Sisis May, but to name her just mm-hmm. May. She's like, no, we're not doing yeah, that. It's just 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 May. May's good. Just just May is fine. <laughs> but like they're girlfriends. They're girlfriends. Leave room for polyamory, Jesus. Ambrose Spike and the whole Stump family have the cellars as their home now. Uh, the uh, moles have been commissioned to expand it. They also plan to fortify the tunnels dug during the siege since they've been so useful during deep snow. See, which makes sense, especially if they're going to fortify them. Like, makes sense to me. It means getting to and from certain parts of the grounds is really easy because that's where the tunnels are is throughout Mm -hmm. the grounds. And the thing... And One thing that bugs me is that, like, I swear I remember the, the spikes and the stumps not getting along. This must... That may be a different Yeah, book. it must be from another book, because I swear there's a, 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 a split between those two families somewhere down the line. Listen, just every time we misremember something, take a shot. It's fine. It, or it's from another book, so... We'll, yeah. get, we'll get there. <laughs> we think that might be from another book. We'll get book. there when we get we there. We really need to write down the drinking game. We do. We just keep not doing it, because it changes every time. It's more fun to keep it vague. Yeah. The Goosem are doing fine. They uh, return, like, they're constantly in and out of Redwall. They're traveling around, and they winter at Redwall every four seasons or so. Like, they come back, they're like, okay, we're gonna stay here for the winter. Like, make sure everybody's good. Make sure we've got enough supplies, etc., etc. Get the news, relay things, do, like, stories and stuff. Which makes sense, honestly. Like, that is a smart way to Very do it. Very much so. I approve of this heartily. Rolo and Cynthia are the new bell ringers. They're doing real good mm-hmm. at it. Tim is just like, they have replaced me and my sister. Constance is teaching Ama all that she knows, and Ama will soon be the mother to all of Redwall. She will be the mother of Redwall, which is what the Lady Badgers are usually referred to, but this is the first time that we've heard Constance referred to as the mother of Redwall. She was not referred to as such in Redwall, and up until this point, she was not referred to as such in this book. I feel like part of it is how fierce she was, because she was... Most of the mothers of Redwall are fierce, even if they're older. And Constance was already old. There's a lot of stuff that he pulls out at the end of the book here that becomes further established in later books. Yes. Yes. Uh, And also, Constance and Orlando are best friends Mm -hmm. now. (laughs) I would be like, they're married, but at the same time, I'm like, no. No. Constance hasn't had a mate so far. She probably doesn't want one. She just wants a friend. Yeah, I was about to say, they are probably literally just like two old friends. Yeah, absolutely. And, like, she's definitely probably, like, adopted Ama, but this is definitely two friends who are like, yeah, no. This is, this is the light of our life right Mm -hmm. here, and we're gonna make sure she knows everything she needs to know so that she can take over for both Mm of us. Uh, Orlando, of course, is happily settled in as he can view his western plains quite nicely from the western wall of the abbey. Maddie and Tess are married now. (laughs) No surprise there. There's no surprise there. We were we all expected it. Now, granted, I am much happier about this than I am about Matthias oh, and Cornflower. Yeah. Because, like, they talked about things other than each other. They talked with other people. And we didn't get the weird compet that we got with 
con- uh, Cornflower and uh, Matthias. Like, they very much go through, like, what they go through together, you can believe that these two would become a couple. They're trauma bonded. That's not what trauma bonding means, but that's... <laughs> it, it's close enough. It, that's the yeah. joke. That's the joke. They, they've been through a lot together, and they're very, very close as a result mm-hmm. of it. Like, I mean, Tim and Maddie are probably, like, the best friends Oh, now. definitely. Like, they were already very good friends before, but, like, with everything that went on, that friend group is closer than ever mm-hmm. as adults. Uh, their parents now, of course, mostly rest in the sunshine. They are retiring. And speaking of retiring, Matthias is also going to pass on his title of warrior to Madame Mayo that day. Like, that is literally, like, uh, Tim is like, I've got to keep this short. We have a ceremony. Matthias is going to pass on his title of warrior to Madame Mayo. So I've got to, like, finish this up and i got to jump. We learn that Maddie also has a son. Of course, they name him Marmite. <laughs> Tim signs off with a kind word, and the book ends. And I know you're, like, groans quietly at the fact that they named him Martin, but <laughs> with what Martin's ghost said to Cornflower earlier, mm-hmm. Martin become Matthias, become Madame Mayo, and so it goes. Mm-hmm. It makes sense. It does. It's fitting, and it, it is appropriate. I'm still going to complain a little bit about it. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it is very English. Because, like, then you get, like, into later books, and I'm like, oh, I'm Martin. Are you the Martin? No, I'm a Martin. <laughs> I'm Martin the Fourth. <laughs> very, so, very English and Roman of, the- of you. I think we can blame the Romans for that for a good chunk, because the Romans only ever had, like, five names they like to use. Yeah, I want to read what Tim wrote at the end, because, honestly... With the way that this was written, it gave it reminded me of what you wrote for our sign-off. It did, yeah! Like, a lot. So it's, May your lives be as full and happy as ours, and may the seasons be kind to you and your friends. The door of our abbey is always open to any traveler roaming the dusty path between the woodlands and the plains. Tim Churchmouse, recorder of Redwall Abbey in Mossflower Country. And that is the last of the book. And it Reminded me very much of May Your Hearth Be Warm and Your Heart Be Merry from Us to You at Redwall Yeah, when I was reading it, it was just like, oh, this is, oh, I guess I did a good job writing that up. You did do a good job, and you didn't even remember that bit. I haven't, yeah. So, our questions for the end. You also pinned one on the Discord server, too. I did, I pinned two, actually. Uh, Ben asked us two of them. Um, So, what was your favorite weird Abbey food in this part of the book? I want... That apple and pear crumble so much. Same. Give it Holy to me. Shit. I don't normally like pears, but pear when you pear. But don't let me eat any pears. Pair the pears with pears. apples. God. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> like anyway, like honestly, I still want to try like I wanna try grayling. It's a fish I've never had oh. before. Yeah, I want to try grayling. I know you don't like yeah. fish, but, like, I want to try I mean, I've it. gotten better. I'll eat you know? some fish. I'm just not a huge fan of it. Was there an animal that appeared that surprised you? Did an animal subvert expectations? Honestly, I wasn't actually expecting Malchus to look like that. I, I remember him being like, deformed. It, it, I remember, I don't remember anything about right. this book whatsoever because, like, it just left my mm-hmm. brain. And I was expecting Malchus, like, what I was expecting was for Malchus to not be a polecat. Mm-hmm. 
What I was expecting was for Malchris to be something else masquerading as a polecat. Like, it would have been really, really interesting if Malchris had been a mouse. That would be sad. It but would, it would be, be but good. But it would have been an interesting subversion to what Brian normally yeah, does. I don't think we're ever going to get that, though. No, we're no, not going to get that. Are you no. kidding? Make a massive no. villain? Never. Brian would clutch at his pearls and gasp. <laughs> Which I'm... His ghost turning in I'm his sorry, grave. Brian. Like we keep We keep ripping <laughs> on this poor man when it's like he's given us some really good solid books here. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, this book, despite all we have complained about it, because... It is a book that's going to be difficult to remember because of the vast amount of information that is in it. Like, we said this uh, at the top of this recording. The end of this book took us two recordings to do because like, there was just so much to keep track of that we both kept going off mm-hmm. topic. Because we were not bored, but our brains needed something else mm-hmm. to do. Like, I was... Yesterday, specifically, I was suffering a lot from ADHD brain because I just, there was so much flipping that I needed something else to do. We took a whole break for me to just play with a pop tube. Uh-huh. Izzy attacked me viciously. <laughs> I attacked Kit with ASMR vibes. It's fine. <laughs> um, I don't think any animals specifically subverted expectations. Yeah, I, no one really um, stood out to me this time around. Yeah, we, we got a bit of, like... Um, Slagger kind of disappointing a us. Bit. But that's less of a subversion of expectations and more of a leaning into the stereotype. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was... Eh. Uh, what was your favorite part, Kit? Honestly... Uh, duh, 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 duh. Truth be told, I really love the scene where, like, Constance just comes in, like, a f- raging fury just to kick ass. Just like, how dare you touch yeah. my happy? And again, like, the, the, the end card, the to be continued. <laughs> In a roundabout. <laughs> I actually really like roundabout as a song. I remember like, <laughs> it's a good song. Okay, but the funny thing is, is that like, we have a classic station here where, where I live. And one day we're like getting into the car <laughs> after getting sandwiches. And I'm just minding my business. And all of a sudden, like the radio, my dad turns the radio on. And then all of a sudden I hear like the. And I'm like, what? Yeah. Every time that happens to me, like if I listen to like the classic station on the radio, like that happens. And I'll be like, JoJo's? I don't even like JoJo's. I don't like JoJo when it happened to me. Listen, it's just a cultural zeitgeist. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure has uh, influenced a lot of modern mm-hmm. manga, so makes sense. Um, my favorite part was the, the the end bit where they defeated the the Corvids, mm-hmm. but also this last part of the book, the last like chapter and this after the where are they now? The the reunion and the where are they now? Because I think this, I. I was a little disappointed with it in mm-hmm. Redwall, right? The afterward in mm-hmm. Redwall. But with this, I think it does it better. It does. I think that it is, it, it is a better afterward. It's a better where are they now. It's it's showing the Abbey continuing, but also showing that they are, like, the scars are still mm-hmm. there in a way. Like, it's not necessarily exact, and it is definitely still like people are doing better, but it feels more like it was written with the fact that everybody is scarred in mm-hmm. mind. 
and I like that about it and I like the reunion and how it it went and how they all came home Mm -hmm. and the feast that followed with everybody just letting themselves relax in this safe place because you get the idea because I really like the fact that it wasn't just and now everybody is home and the slaves are totally fine it's no they had a half of a season to learn to be people again on on the and road. even then they're still amazed the, by everything that's around them like they're still overawed like, like yeah and they've they've been brought into this place that has been talked up to them and being like this is a safe place you will mm-hmm. be safe they probably had like the people from redwall and the the gusim telling them and reassuring them this will be a safe place and having that proved to them over and over by the kindness Mm -hmm. shown to them on the trip back. And we don't get to see that, but it's obvious that it Mm -hmm. happened. It's not something that like you have to be like, but did this actually happen? No, you can feel even without it being said that it happened. And that's what makes me really like this part of the book. Like the end of Moss Flower was very good. The end of Redwall was eh. The end of Matameo, I think so far, is my favorite. <clears throat> Despite the fact that this book is hit or miss in many, many ways, it, the end of it is really good. It's overall, uh, it is an enjoyable book when you are reading it, and it's definitely a book that I recommend you read, especially if you are a fan of the Redwall series and haven't read it yet. Um, mm-hmm. This is to take a line from uh, 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 Files. Is this, uh, would you consider this like uh, required Redwall reading? And I would say oh, definitely. yes. Definitely. Definitely. This. this is, there's some books in the series that you should read, but they're not necessarily required for the lore exactly. Right. Because they're so far away or deal with something that has nothing to do with the Abbey. In a way where it kind of feels like it's an offshoot, a spin-off. where it's just talking about another part of the world. He wanted world. to do something different, you for know. A bit. Yeah, I kind of love those spin-off and then books there are... too, though. Just like getting to see. Oh yeah, no, more. same. They're honestly they're really really good. I'm so excited to. Be uh, I'm excited to read the next book, which I believe is yeah, Mariel it's Mariel of Redwall. I haven't read that one. I'm so excited. I read it a long time ago. I do remember it mostly. Uh, it is so good. She is the Ooh, best. I'm I fucking love her. Uh, anyway, so we have some uh, questions from Ben. Ben. Let me. Ben. Ben, ben is ben, uh, ben, one ben, of our favorite ben, people. Ben, ben, honestly. Ben, ben. Let me. I did pin them this time because I'm a smart person. So we got. Uh, thankfully, though, they are also like the last messages uh-huh. that were put in both of those channels, <laughs> so it helps. So, in. Uh, ben asked us a question on the 15th and then one yesterday after I was like, hey, we had to stop recording. If you guys have anything you want us to talk about uh, before we start recording again, please like tell us. And he was like, oh, I've got another one. Uh, so uh, Sarpedon, whose name in the server is Sarpedon Wetbones for All because he's a cursed man. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, consider uh, my question for the end of Madame Mayo recording for the full book. How much, because they were talking about Wind in the Mm -hmm. Willows up to this point was the discussion so far was like Wind in the Willows, Secret of Mm Nim, talking about influences and how much do we think 
Wind in the Willows affected Brian's animal characteristics for the Redwall series. Or like Beatrix Potter with Squirrel Nutkin, where an owl tries to eat the squirrel despite them both being mostly civilized, <laughs> etc. And I think, honestly, yeah, I think that because um, those books are way, way older mm-hmm. than Brian. Brian would have read those as like a kid. And I do think that they probably influenced him. He was probably pulling on some of the things that were in those books for Redwall. He probably looked at them and was like, I want something like this for my kids, but less baby. Yeah. Like, kind of like, because Wind in the Willows, I don't want to say is baby. It is weird shit. Um, it's also public domain. <laughs> you can make um, frog and toad as gay as you want. But like... Do what? You can make frog and toad as gay as you want. Yeah, and they're definitely fucking gay. Like, you, if you've read Wind in the Willows, those bitches gay. Um, but, like, the way that the, the animals in Wind in the Willows and in the Beatrix Potter books act is definitely very similar to how, like, the characters in, like, the Redwall series act and, like, are shown. The way that they dress, the way that they, like, talk to each other. I dropped something. I was wondering what that was. It was like, eh? And the way that they, they handle things is is very similar, I think. Now, I haven't read any Beatrix Potter or... I ha- and I haven't read Wind in the Willows in a very long Beatrix time. Beatrix Potter is such a delight. It Honestly. But, unlike, the, the artwork for those books is gorgeous and you can also tell that that kind of influenced a lot of like the chapter art that we get the little like chapter header Mm. art i desperately wish that we would get like redwall books that had like full page Mm -hmm. art that would have been gorgeous and i think would have been fan fucking tastic i want i know we have like redwall has like that that um uh graphic novel version that I have. It's very weird. But I want, like, an illustrated uh, like, Redwall book that's not necessarily that, mm-hmm. but, like, illustrated. Like, it is the text with illustrations. It would be more you accessible know? to a lot of, like, young readers, too, if they did it that way. Oh, absolutely. Not everybody is, like, me and likes to read books like this in mm-hmm. third grade. <laughs> <laughs> third and fourth grade that is when i read uh redwall for the very first time and uh i do not regret it as much as we complain and like pick at these mm-hmm. books we do, we do love them they definitely um, i should reread wind in the willows i i, I don't know if i've ever read Rin- wind in the willows um also though here's... we should make that something to do as like an extra thing where we read and like not necessarily pick mm-hmm. apart but just like review wind in the willows and see how like how what we can find that maybe influenced oh and definitely books. be a Trix potter um for those of you out there there's a really mm-hmm. good app called librivox where they have like the entirety of the beatrix potter books read by volunteers because, yeah, Ooh. it's really good. Because the LibriVox is a app where it's all public domain books read by volunteers. So the quality... Is it yes. free? Yeah. Ooh. So, like, the quality varies. And you're mostly going to be get, getting, like, old, old books. But, like, yeah, yeah, for stuff yeah. like... You're probably... There's probably a lot of HP uh, Lovecraft yeah. in there. Yeah. And, it, again, like, it's all read by volunteers. So, again, the quality varies. Sometimes chapter to chapter because it's all volunteer work. But that's half the fun. Mm-hmm. They've got, like, the entirety yeah. of the Wizard of Oz books are there. Oh, yeah. nice. Um, 
Probably Sherlock Holmes, because Sherlock Holmes mm-hmm. is also public domain. The Great Gatsby is now, so it's probably going to be up on there yeah. soon. Um, Thank yeah. God. <laughs> um, but yeah, what was... I need people to stop being pretentious with The Great Gatsby and write it the way it's supposed to be. Nick is gay. <laughs> but also... Nick and Gatsby are gay. <laughs> they just don't want to say it. Why else the fuck would Gatsby fill Nick's entire house with flowers? <laughs> I'm not wrong. <laughs> I'm not going to deny it. <laughs> That's, um, link, put that link somewhere where I can find it so I can put it in the description. Of All right. I'll look it up. <sighs> yeah. Um, like if there's a website or something, because if it's an app, then it'll be in the app store, but we should also put like a website link if there's one, because maybe somebody will want to volunteer. Yeah. Here it is. Oh, they do have a website. Excellent. Nice, 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 nice. Yeah, send that to me in the uh, Abbey Archive, like the the uh, archivist okay. channel. Archive storage. Yes. You know which one I mean. Um, let's see. Yeah. <laughs> I do like the, the squirrel nutkin where an owl tries to eat the squirrel despite being mostly <laughs> civilized. That's, Brian definitely referenced that in Redwall. That's absolutely what happened with General Snow and Like, Matthias. Harvey is absolutely delighted by stories where, like, the animals live together, but they're still animals. So on occasion, mm-hmm. um, it's not the first time Beatrix Potter has done that too. Like there's the entire story of the duck or the goose. I can't remember if she's a duck or a goose, but she's like trying to find a good spot to lay her eggs. And the fox is like, oh, madam, I know the perfect spot for you to lay your eggs. It will be a wonderful clay pit. Like I'll even help you, ma'am. I've set this nice nest up for you. And he's 100% planning to eat her eggs and probably her too, if he can get away with it. Um absolutely but i love just like he's dressed like a polite gentleman like they're dressed in clothing they're acting like polite gentle people but he's 100 percent planning to eat her all the same you know yeah it's it's also like this is where like peter cottontail comes Mm -hmm. from too exactly um and like the those books they're always shown as them wearing clothes and when they're not wearing clothes like when the clothes get like pulled off of them or something happens they're shown as being like in a bad situation, very distressed, mm-hmm. you know? Exactly. Um, it's it's super duper interesting. Um, I do want to read, like, Wind in the Willows and, like, Beatrix Potter stories <laughs> and just kind of see. Yeah, that could be something we can uh, set aside. Like, maybe, maybe, like, once every few... Maybe not, like, a full... Yeah, maybe not, like, a full yeah. summary type thing like this, because that would be a lot... But, like, maybe we just, like, we read them and then we make notes of the different, like, passages and stuff and just have a discussion. Yeah. Maybe we can pull in, like, some other people. Yeah, kind of like a... Do, like, a round a, table. A shoot the shit, take a break episode. Yeah, a, a yeah. round table, basically. Uh, so, uh, uh, Ben's other question, which was in our general discussion. Um, do we think that Malchoris and the pure ferrets in Triss were at all related? I have... I don't... Think I I've read Triss, have... and I have no memory of Triss, so I cannot contribute to this very much. I haven't read Triss in a while, but it's possible. It it is entirely possible. Um, I don't remember the timeline on that one. Um, we'll have to look it up. We will. I will save this question for when we get to Triss, and, and then we will talk about it let's again. Let's see. Uh, um, that's gonna be a long time. Yes. But eventually. She'll be like, hey, remember this question? Yeah, like like two or three <laughs> years later. 
Because oh, let's God. see. Yeah. Just look at it. I turn around and we've got... We're three books in and we've been doing three, this since, three, three, what, four, five, August? Six, yeah. <laughs> we've got a ways to go. Yeah. That's yeah, it's fine. Okay. This is fine. We're in this for the long yeah. haul. It's fine. Um, we didn't get any questions on Twitter that I uh, remember. Let me double check really quick. Let's see. Ah, it was somebody responding to something that I commented on, which was that really good fan art of Slagger. I don't know if you saw that really good fan art of Slagger that had, like, uh, him wearing his, like, uh, cape and hood with his bolo and then, like, his hood removed showing his face. Yeah, that is real good fan art. If you haven't seen that, go to our Twitter. We retweeted it and commented on it. It's (laughs) super fucking good. Um, But nobody sent us anything on Twitter. Remember, you can always send us questions or discussion points that you want us to talk about on Twitter. They can be for current books. They can be for books we've already read. Or... In the case of the one that Ben asked us about Triss, uh, for the future, because we don't remember shit about Triss right now. And I don't want to say uh, for sure if I think without reading it again. Uh, I do remember that Triss is one of my favorite books uh, because I fucking love the squirrels <laughs> and it's real fucking good. Gee, I wonder why squirrels. Um, <laughs> Uh, and you can also send us DMs if you are a Reddit user and you don't use anywhere else. You can send us DMs on Reddit as well. Uh, we post uh, weekly in the r slash uh, Eulalia. Uh, and yeah, we will accept DMs. I believe I have it set so that anybody can DM us. Um, if we are not on a podcatcher that you are using, please let me know so that I can try and get it on said podcatcher. Uh, somebody asked us to try and put it on Overcast, and I was able to actually do that. I uh, wasn't able to let them know because they deleted their Reddit account, but we are also on um, Apple Podcast. We're not specifically, specifically, like, on Acast, because to be, like, an Acast person, you've got to, like, deal with their shit, and I don't want to. <laughs> um, but we're on, like, Amazon Podcast, Google Podcast, stuff like that, because our... Um, the, the podcast distributor that we use, Pinecast, lets us just kind of do that. We just have to click a button, basically. Mm. Um, but there are some podcatchers where I will have to make an account and I will have to physically put our RSS feed in for it to start mm-hmm. posting. So if we're not on the podcatcher you prefer using, let us know. And also just send us questions, please. We, we like answering questions. We like having these discussions. We, like, we now have a whole idea to do fucking Wind in the Willows mm-hmm. at some point. Like, that'll be fun. I still want to do, like, a, a, a um, spoof episode where we do, like, the Guardians of Gahool or something like that. <laughs> so, yeah. That is the end of this. That's all the questions we got. So, thank you for listening to Abbey Archives. We are grateful that you lent us your ears, and we hope you enjoyed your time with us. I've been Izzy. You can find me on Twitter at the Shondeer. You can find the um, podcasting enclave that we are part of, uh, Hearthside Enclave, at HS Enclave on Twitter, where you can see the other podcasts that uh, that are part of the enclave. You can see like when we're going to start streaming, stuff like that. All the other stuff that we could do there. Um, you can find specifically the other podcast I'm on at Hope's Hearth Pod. Hope's Hearth is a 
uh, Solar Hope Punk actual play podcast where we play different jamless games set in a um, like overarching setting. It's getting real good. We're putting in some lore, bitches. <laughs> it's great. Uh, you can also find I do art commissions and you can find those on my Twitter. Uh, they are going to close by the time this comes out, but they open regularly. Yeah. And Kit. and I've been Kit. You can find me at Kitsy in a box, all one word, on Twitter. Um, also, don't go to Buzzly anymore because that website has gone down into a raging ball of fire. It uh, fucking died. Pretty much all I've got right now is my Tumblr, my Twitter, and my Fur Affinity. As much as I'd like to bop off of Fur Affinity, there's no place else right now. So, um, I'm thinking about rejoining Tumblr just for art purposes because it's gotten so much more And not chill. just that, but a lot of people are actually going back to Tumblr because it is quieter and more relaxed now. And everywhere else is just like a flaming dumpster fire. So, yeah. I mean, Tumblr is still kind of its own flaming dumpster fire, but like because a lot of people who were like they went to Twitter and now Twitter is Yeah, worse. so like pretty much like things are a lot more chill over there now. So like my Tumblr is also Kitsy in a box if you want to go check it out there. Yes. If I go back, I'm going to make a new one, and not go back. That's to fair enough. Um but yes, I also do uh, commissions, and I have my little clothes species. They are the Kitsunde, little ice cream tail foxes, and or other desserts. Um, Somebody get a pear and apple crumble <laughs> Kitsunde based, uh, uh, and have that be your yeah. All right. Um, but yeah, that's it for me. Uh, you can find us both at Abbey Archives on Twitter. And may your hearth be warm and your heart be merry from us to you at Redwall Abbey. Bye. Bye. Clap time. Clap time. We did it. You're not going to be too late for your game, maybe. <laughs> I might be. I'm, I think I'm a little tired. Okay. It's fine. It's okay. fine. Uh, okay. Do we want to clap at the 10? Sure. listening. If you like this podcast, please follow us on Twitter at Abbey Archives and join our Discord, linked in the description below. You can also rate and review us on your podcatcher of choice, Spotify, or Apple Podcasts. This podcast is a Hearthside Enclave production.
You can find this podcast, as well as links for our other productions, such as Hope's Hearth, an actual play podcast, and Post-Apocalyptic News Radio, an audio drama in a post-apocalyptic setting, at HS Enclave on Twitter. Remember to wash your paws like good dibbins and take care of yourselves. Bye!